This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name's Ricardo. My name is Sam. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. artists are created equal, a fairly obvious kind of idea at its core, and not all artists are given the same platforms and opportunities. Many musicians find themselves in situations that are less than ideal for best expressing their art. When listening to a band, do you sometimes notice that one or more of the members seem to be underemployed in their roles? Because that's exactly what this episode is all about. A wee tip of the cap to those who can, should, and sometimes do rise above their bandmates in order to truly flourish. And a little later on, there will be a feature on somebody who is arguably the most underemployed musician in the history of modern rock music. Queen gets a lot of praise, including from us. And it's totally fair. They are one of the greatest rock bands to ever grace us with their music. However, the majority of the attention is placed on frontman Freddie Mercury. And when it isn't, it's people going on about Brian May being such a great guitarist. Even drummer Roger Taylor has his time to shine occasionally and is often praised for being such a solid drummer. The one guy we never really hear about is the guy who voluntarily left the band after the death of Freddie Mercury, bassist John Deacon. We can't really say he's overqualified here because as a unit, Queen was just all over pretty damn incredible. But he was underutilized. His bass abilities were never talked about, and the incredible songs he wrote, while some were big songs, it was never acknowledged how much he contributed to it. I mean, Another One Bites the Dust really was all about what he was doing, and we just ignore that. One Vision is also a great song written by John Deacon, but again, we never really talk about it. So this is us talking about it, and this is One Vision.
Much like Queen, Rush were an incredible band with top-tier musicians. Except if Queen were top-tier, Rush are like on top of the top-tier. Because while the vocals might not be as good as Freddie, the actual musicianship is in a league of its own. Bassist and vocalist Geddy Lee gets a lot of praise, because vocalists always do. And Neil Peart is often talked about as one of the greatest drummers to ever live. It's rare that the lead guitarist is the overlooked one, but in the case of Alex Lifeson, he's often just the other guy, even though it's his guitar work that truly takes center stage more often than not. And if you want a great example of that, this is Bastille Day.
any other context, Chris Walstenholm would be a bigger name than he is. He's a world-class bass player with a strong stage presence and many famous songs and bass lines to his name. That is to say, he's the total package. But Walstenholm has the rotten luck of performing in the band Muse, and when you're bandmates with a talent hog Matt Bellamy, you'll always be fighting for second place. That's actually one of the reasons why their 2012 album, The Second Law, grabbed my interest, because for a brief moment, Bellamy graciously seats the spotlight and gives us a glimpse of what could have been. Walstenholm leads two of the tracks from this album as the lead singer and primary songwriter, and I kind of wish they did this sort of thing more often. And this is one of those tracks, Liquid State. only becomes famous after one member joins them you can guarantee that all of the attention is going to be on this one person while the rest of the group is ignored even if the rest of the group is much more talented than their new face or body 
because Black Eyed Peas were a lot better without Fergie. Like, it's hard to explain. After she joined, their entire thing became about her and sexualizing her as much as possible. It's a damn shame because Will I Am, Apti App, and Taboo are a great trio. And with former vocalist Kim Hill, they were pretty great too. But all we ever hear from them is crap like Boom Boom Pow. Okay, and I hate this joke, but I have to say it. Where is the love for the rest of the band? Ugh. This is Joints and Jam. Yeah. Chick-a-doom, chick-a-doom, chick-a-doom. Yeah, that's the song. That's the joint. That's the jam. Turn that shit up. Play it again. That's the joint. That's the jam. Turn that shit up. Play it again. That's the joint. That's the jam. Turn that shit up. Play it again. I like the way the rhythm makes me jump and move. It got the feeling that makes me want to do my do. Got me feeling joy to my green sky blue. And when you hear a cup, baby doll, I know you We're feeling, huh? Get up on the floor, start moving, son Body parts that got rubbers acting down And they be acting down from the cut that's playing huh? People breaking neck from this demonstration We about mass appeal, no segregation Got black to Asian and Caucasian Saying that's the joint, that's the jam Turn that shit up, play it again That's the joint, that's the jam Turn that shit up collide to the rhythm provided by the mind state affairs classified to make your heat up and flare i swear i serenade the soul and so beware and what's happening here sequel to heavenly feeling a peace of mind then just find a one maybe in time you can stop this crime but until then yo i'm a rock around saying that's the joint that's the jam turn that shit up play it again that's the joint that's the jam turn that shit up play it again
across his nearly 50-year career, William Collins was cast as a bit player in somebody else's band not once, but twice. The flamboyant four-string fanatic joined James Brown's band at the age of just 19 before being poached by George Clinton's funkadelic juggernaut a few years later. In both cases, he was there to support the larger-than-life frontmen, but it wouldn't take long before he was promoted to being one in his own right as his superstar alter-ego, Bootsy Collins. Bootsy got his first taste of centre stage in 1976 as the leader of the Clinton-endorsed and produced Bootsy's rubber band. This promotion ended up causing Bootsy a great amount of stress and nearly turned him away from music forever. It turns out that all this overqualified player ever wanted to be was a guy in the band. And I'm happy that Bootsy has made peace with that so we can get down to the serious business of just being funky, because few have done it better. This is Bootsy Collins with Rubber Ducky. Oh yeah, I'm Robin Lee Hood. 
It's hard to look at like any punk band and call the musicians involved technically skilled, or at least when it comes to guitarists and bassists. But the drummers are often pretty great. Travis Barker from Blink-182 gets a lot of praise as a drummer to the point that he's probably the most famous member of the band. One underappreciated drummer, however, is Green Day's Trey Cool. He may not be as fast as Barker, but I'd probably have to argue that he's just as good, if not better. He had to actually simplify his style to fit with Green Day because the style before the band was too complex. Just Billy Joe Armstrong is the guy that we pay attention to because, well, he's Billy Joe Armstrong. If we want an example of Trey Cool being himself, we kind of have to look outside of Green Day. Well, I wanted to look outside of Green Day, so we're going to. So we're going with his other project, Dead Mermaids, a band that he described as Icelandic death metal, which it isn't, and insisted that his name is Bjorn Roxen, which it isn't. They're good for a laugh, though, and I think that was the point. And now, our feature artist. Tonight's feature artist has sold millions of records, has performed on dozens of world-famous hit singles, is a multi-time Grammy winner, and has even been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And yet, this man is not quite a household name. How is that possible? That's because John Anthony Frusciante made his bones as the on-again, off-again, on-again, off-again, on-again guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But we won't be looking at anything from his day job tonight. Because what's often overlooked is that he's also had a long and turbulent career as a solo artist, one that is far more interesting. 
It started in the early 90s after walking out on the band in the middle of a tour. Rather than parlaying his brief fame to joining a new band, Frusciante uses newfound freedom to create something personal. These lo-fi recordings form the basis of his debut solo album, Neandra Ladez and Usually Just a T-Shirt. Yeah, that's really what he called it. This was followed by Smile from the Streets You Hold three years later, an album most notable for featuring a cameo from River Phoenix and being pulled from distribution at the artist's own request. These albums are rough and often physically painful to listen to. Frusciante has admitted that these records only existed to fuel his drug habit, and my recommendation is to skip these entirely because we are going to be doing that right now. Instead, our story picks up with the release of his first album worth listening to, to record only water for 10 days. By 2001, John had rejoined his friends in the Chili's and he had kicked his heroin habit for good. Things were definitely looking up, and in a lot of ways, to record only water for 10 days reflects these positive changes. These songs were not only far more coherent, but they struck the right balance of introspection while still allowing for moments of hope and joy to shine through. This is John Frusciante with Going Inside.
2004 proved to be an incredibly eventful year for John Frusciante's career. Before it was over, he had released a whopping four solo albums, and more importantly, they were actually good. These include Inside of Emptiness and fan-favorite Shadows Collide with People, but it's the other two I want to spend some time focusing on here. The Will to Death was the second part of the quadrilogy, and this is the record that really turned me on to him as a solo performer. It's a cautious return to the stark minimalism of those early home recordings, but you feel a lot better about listening to it, knowing that the artist wasn't literally destroying himself in the process. As you listen to this next song, please keep in mind that not a single track from this album took more than two takes to make, which is a million miles from the world of mainstream rock he had been dabbling in. This is A Doubt.
Frusciante's four 2004 albums, Automatic Writing stands out the most, largely because it was the only one not to be released under his own name, but rather that of a new entity called Ataxia. This new band featured Joe Lally from Fugazi on bass and Josh Klinghoffer on drums, and if that second name is at all familiar, it might be because Klinghoffer ended up replacing Frusciante and the Chilis during his second hiatus from the group. And a different name on the marquee was only the beginning. Automatic writing focused on longer-form jams over concise song sketches, and the players involved were far more than capable of carrying the weight. The remaining five songs from these recording sessions were released in 2007 as AW2, but this next song is from the original Ataxia album. This is The Sides.
2007, Frusciante quit his famous day job again. He had bigger aspirations than the band was able to provide. As well as stretching his legs in the projects of some of his famous friends, he also began to work on what I consider to be his best solo effort to date, The Empyrean, released in 2009. While the theological tone perhaps recalled the solo work of George Harrison, which turns out to be a very fitting comparison in general, Frusciante managed to reference several of his heroes along the way. These include Eddie Hazel, Warren Ellis, Johnny Marr, Robert Fripp, and Tim Buckley. The Empyrean is a record that drips with passion, inspiration, and dare I say, righteousness. And these are qualities that his earliest works were sorely lacking. For all intents and purposes, The Empyrean is the crowning achievement of Frusciante as a rock-minded musician, and even then, his broadening interests are on full display here. This is God.
marked the beginning of a new chaotic period in Frusciante's career. Within a few years he would be all but entirely dedicated to, p- to the pursuit of electronic music released under his acid house alias Trickfinger. And as horizon broadening as all that sounds, it doesn't mean the transition was at all smooth. Rather, there was a difficult birthing period epitomised by his most confounding album yet. 2012 saw the release of PBX Funicular Intaglio Zone, one of the worst titled albums in human history. But it turns out that baffling name was also an indication of the batshit crazy music therein. It's a jumbled mess of formless experimental rock, synthesizers, and breakbeats. I cannot overstate how much of a brain fart this album really is. <laughs> but there are still moments of lucidity among the experiments, and that includes the album's default single, Ratyog. That's guitar spelled backwards, and you'll understand why it's called that in a moment. Because Ratyog is our final song of the evening. <laughs>
Yes, I'll be the man, acting as if I ain't. This is something that I know can kill us about what you think. Not to speaking on the flow, most of this how I think. This is something you should know before you shouldn't have to think. That's just the way to go, so figure let it go. Yo, this is just a freestyle, but my shit ain't free though. I'ma take my best shot, pace is like a free throw. Throw that to the scoreboard, use your rhyme and hero. bro. Nothing other than me, Lord, why be pacing me for? Cause I'll be the god, so what must I even say more? More money, more problems, shit. I got mad problems, I need mad money. Yo, guess I'm the man, acting as if I ain't. This is something that I know you keep us up. How would you think? Not just speaking on the floor. What's all this how I think? This is something you should know before you should not have to think. That's just the way it goes. So forget that it don't go. This is just a freestyle. once again for tuning into the outer limit frequency as you'll probably know by now if you like what we say and you like the way we do things we have lots of episodes available on spotify come search us out there you will not regret it and seeing as you're going to do that and then you're going to be back next week uh, join us as we continue our b-sides tour as we take a look at mr david bowie we will see you then Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.